Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. My name is Adam Rubichuk. With me, as always, is Aaron Fleming. Buenos dias, compadres. Este nuevo. And, of course, Derek Swistek. Hey, hey, hey. And that's always the same. I added a hey this time. There was another hey in there. SL mismo. So we've been talking about uh, those teachers that are new to cooperative learning and how we can best support them. We ended last week talking about feedback that, that you should be requesting. So whether it's from a trusted friend that's going through the process with you or possibly even an administrator and evaluator. You know, the question that we left it on was, what kind of feedback should you be looking for? So if you're going to be proactive and you're going to go out there and, and, and try to get some critical eyes on your cooperative learning practice, what should you be asking for someone to look, look for or listen for when you're doing cooperative activities? One thing that I really recommend for anybody seeking feedback is something I learned from my instructional coach at Maine West. I'm going to give mad props to Christy. Christy came in and we devised a plan where, and this is, I had been, I think I had been teaching cooperative learning for a really long time, but I had a, I had a class that just wasn't functioning like I wanted them to function. So I had her do student observations and I wanted to really know that when I was across the room, as I was doing my purposeful walk through the classroom and I'm over here, can she see the social skills still in place, still being used when I'm not within that physical proximity? Can she see the interdependence at work when I'm not right there? And that was such a, it was such a good view for me to see where it was happening, where it was not happening. And, you know, then, you know, the reflection afterward, like which groups really need some more social skill feedback, which groups need a little bit more praise. And that's, that's the big one for me is when I'm not right there, what are those student to student interactions like? Yeah, that's 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 a pretty high level <laughs> feedback that you'd like. I would I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it even simpler. I was thinking, could somebody write cooperative learning lesson plan after observing your class? Like of what it did. Like, could they just say, here's here's tired frog, here's the positive interdependence that I actually saw, here are the pieces. Here's how you did individual accountability, or here's what I saw for individual accountability. Here's what I saw for group processing. Here's what I saw for social skills. And it could be that they didn't see one or more of those things. And that would still be okay, but it would be room for growth. So I would just start with those five elements. Like, did the observer see those things? Could you see those things? And that could be, and like we talked about last week, that could be something that you could go over with your evaluator. Make sure that they really know those five essential elements really well. Talk to them really hard about positive interdependence, what social skills are, all those pieces, and then see if they can pick those out. And if they can, great. And if they can't, then they're not present enough and you're not giving enough guidance for the students to be able to say, like, 
why, how you're doing something and why you're doing it that way. Like, I think one of the things that we talk about, and we've talked about many times on this show, we need to give kids the whys of, of what we're doing. It's not just like, here, here, do this thing. It's like, no, 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 we're doing this thing. And here's why we're doing it this way. Here's the skills that you're developing. Here are the things that you're getting better at. And here's why the class gets better every time that you're here. Um, it helps them with their own, you know, like, efficacy and their their own self view of their self right and view of themselves and view of others too Derek I really like the uh, involvement of the student voice in that if we ask a student like you said what's the why if we ask them what was the purpose of you working with your group today if they can tell you the same way we talk about assessment and can you can you identify the learning learning target and you know what is the what is the summative going to look like and when is that if we ask them you know what social skill are you working on right now what is, and you're maybe not using the word interdependence, but maybe using the word interdependence if, if that's something you've introduced. Like, what, well, how are you relying on your partners right now? And how are you going to be responsible for this information? At what point in the lesson did you talk about how you work together and did you share that information as a class? Basically, if the students could fill out that cooperative learning lesson plan, then you're doing cooperative learning. Um, is it observable by, by an outsider? But then can your students tell you what's up? I think that's a great idea. I think it's a really great idea. I think sometimes it might be useful to have the student as an observer. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to find all of those things, I think, sometimes. Um, but even just asking them for one of those pieces um, that you really wanted and asking them to be able to do it. I think that was something that we talked about on an academic uh, turn, which is, could a kid write their own learning target for what they learned that day? Could they reflect back on okay, what, what was I supposed to get out of today? And if they can't, if they can't, is that something that they should be able to do? Um, so yeah, reflecting back on the, you know, and to thinking about the group processing piece, reflecting back on like, well, what did I do? What did, what did we do as a group too? And then if you know you're being observed on that or the students are gonna be asked about that, you're gonna be so explicit in your instruction. You know, if I, if I prep Aaron to come into my classroom and say, all right, make sure my students know make sure my students know when I'm group processing and why I'm group processing, I sure as heck am going to explain that to them. And I'm going to make sure that they know. And now we're doing the group process, everybody. And after, after a little while of it being forced, it becomes rote. This is just something we do in class. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, to your point, I mean, we, we talked about this many times on this show, which is the reason that we've stuck with this is because we want to get better at it too. Um, you know, it's a, it's one of these things that the more you talk about this and the more you like really delve deep into it and you realize like how good it is for building relationships and, um, you know, the, the long-term implications of getting better at all of these things, it, it really um, resonates really well with, with, your, with yourself as a teacher, with your want and what you want to leave behind, your, the legacy you want to leave behind for your, for your students isn't necessarily, hopefully, about, you know, love of Spanish language. That may be important, but in the grand scheme of things, it also is about like, what, what things, how did we do this together? How did we get it through together? I think that's the, the piece in your brain as a teacher that, that can get better. And so getting that feedback back from the students is really powerful. We have to be in that learner mode ourselves. And I would be lying if I, said that I never have any problems myself, you know, trying to get kids to have those ideal interactions on a daily basis. I may or may not have a class right now as we speak, 
you know, that's made me really reflect back and really have students, you know, I'm trying to get them to process out, you know, what are we doing? And we're trying, we're trying to get through that. So we're not getting the optimal interdependence. We're not getting that, that buy-in that I want. So I'm having the students reflect. And then, you know, I've, I've got to be able to bounce that off of, you know, my coach to say, I need to figure out what's the one social skill I need to hit here. Or is there a different way that I can hold kids accountable um, individually? You know, and, you know, to Derek's point in our last episode, go through each individual element. So even this many years in, after having taught so many of these classes cooperatively, after having taught so many teachers about cooperative learning, it's still about getting feedback for those times when let's face it, you're trying to get adolescents to cooperate and adolescents can be real tough as we all know. And I, Aaron, I think that's a great point that people such as yourself that are veterans that are, have been doing cooperative learning that have been you know, fully enmeshed in this have, have trained, like we said, hundreds of teachers that you're still working on getting better, that you still struggle with it. I think that's a lesson that we can give to our, our, uh, our new adherents. You know, this is this is a process. This is something that you're always going to be wrestling with. You're always going to be struggling with. Um, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. But ultimately, every day that every day, every lesson, every time that you build cooperative practice into your classroom, the students are going to learn more. They're going to be nicer to each other. They're going to have lessons that they take out of the classroom. Like it's an added benefit, even when it's hard, even when you struggle, even when it doesn't feel like you're doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, leave on this note too, which is, um, you know, the more that you're in this, the more you, you feel like you can learn. I remember one time uh, David Johnson was running a class that I was in and he, uh, he was talking about something and I, I interjected with something and he was like, oh, that's really brilliant. How did you think of that? I was like, I was on page 43 of the book that you wrote. <laughs> So, so talk about, you know, just your, your feeling of, of like, there, it is complex. There is a lot to it. And, and there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to forget, or there's a lot to like, kind of forget that you like knew that. That's one of the things that you can get really, really well from somebody who's also going through it with you. One or two people, a little cohort of people that are, that are going to be on this journey with you too. And with that, I think uh, we can wrap up this, uh, this, this series and, so it's been a great talk and, and a little bit of a, of a trip down memory lane of, of those early days and how we got into cooperative learning. But um, next week, I think we have our interview scheduled with Allison Guest, assistant principal for instruction at Maine East High School, who is uh, probably the first of all of our group of um, cooperative learning trainers to go into administration. So we're anxious to hear kind of her journey and, and some of the lessons that she's learned in leading cooperative work first as a teacher, leader, instructional coach, and then into the administrative realm. But until then, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.